Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, to the Winter is Coming Game of Thrones podcast. I'm your host, Razor, and I'm here with Corey Smith and Corey Phone. Isis could not be with us here tonight with us, but that's okay. We're going to be talking about a few things going on with uh, Season 8 filming, um, and I'm sorry, and we have some exciting news for the Game of Thrones prequel that was officially announced. So, firstly, let's talk about um, this gigantic rap party, Corey Smith. Um, it seems like most of the cast, a lot of former cast members like Mark Addy, who played Robert Baratheon, were there, and they were having a damn good time. Yeah, uh, it looks like they had like their own little photo booth uh, with the, with like a makeshift Iron Throne, and they were all taking turns uh, holding each other and you know doing <laughs> acrobatics, taking and, turns holding each other. Yeah, so it it definitely looked like they had a good time. I'm guessing that it was uh, well catered and with the uh, liquid variety. Um, Jason People Momoa, were, Momoa looked well lubricated. I think Momoa is number one on my list with guys I'd like to go party with one night, but I'm also afraid I'd come home like missing a finger or two just because <laughs> that guy looks like he goes hard when he parties. If you went out with Momoa, it'd be it would be like the hangover. You would come back yes. missing a finger and some friends. Maybe have wake- a tattoo on my face. Yeah, yeah like basically, and yeah. it would just be you know the greatest probably night of my life. Um, but yeah, it looked like that a just massive party. Like you said, you got former cast coming in all over the place. You've got the entire, pretty much the entire cast that I saw. I didn't notice anybody that was missing. Um, cause you had Amelia Clark, you had Kit Harrington, um, you know, all the big ones. So I didn't think anybody was missing. So yeah, it looked like a hell of a time, which could have snuck uh snuck through the back door on that I know one. can you imagine being one of the uh caterers there like one of the one of the wait staff that would have been baller that I would have enjoyed the shit out of that I I'm sure they all signed like non-disclosure agreements you know if you're the caterer in case you know a case of beer and you know Kit Harrington starts talking about how he's sad that he doesn't sit on the iron throne or something um so yeah but yeah it looked like a hell of a time but most importantly it seems like main filming has completed on season eight. Yeah, it feels like uh, all eyes are focused on uh, Belfast, where Titanic Studios is, and uh, obviously after the rap party. I mean, there's been people still doing a few things. Corey Phone, I have a very, very important question for you, and I hope that you can answer this in all sincerity. But um, what kind of drink does Jon Snow order at a rap party? I, I really need you to detail this for me. Like, are you... <clears throat> is this a trivia question? Or <laughs> I don't you just... know, man. I'm trying to get Kit you Harrington, involved. <laughs> Kit Harrington looks like a, a gin and tonic with double lime kind of guy. <laughs> gin and tonic? Really? Yeah. He seems he seems like he, uh, you know, he's going to drink the clear liquors and the tonic water cut actually you'd probably do let me rephrase it, uh gin diet tonic with double <laughs> diet tonic uh, carb cutting trying to stay in shape you know he's trying to make that transition into movies the only ones that have really had any success with that have been amelia and so uh, uh so sophia i don't know so Sophie. Sophie. i couldn't remember sophia or sophie 
Or Sophia Loren? It's, it's too close to it's yeah, it's too close to Sansa. So I just want to say Sansa. Um, and, and they haven't been in good movies apparently. Although you guys tell me Solo is all right, but I haven't seen it yet. I liked but, Solo, man. The box office didn't reflect it, but I liked it. Well, I, yeah, you don't you can't dump a movie that's had gone through that much shit in production four weeks after Avengers. Everybody like movies are expensive, man. That's a terrible like, idea. Like, I don't know why they didn't save it till Christmas. doesn't make any sense to me. But um, Marvel and Disney don't care. They, they got paid way, way the other. Yeah, but, I mean, we it's being called a box office flop, but still it did over $100 It's not million, a flop. Uh, it's, gonna, it's not a flop. Yeah, people are calling it a flop because it didn't make a half million dollars in two weeks. But it, yeah. it'll be fine. The next Star Wars will come out at Christmas time, and it'll be fine as well because there won't be anything else competing against it. Um, but, yeah, so I think John's. I think a bunch of them are like trying to prep for you the know life step. after Thrones. So yeah, definitely diatonics and gin. Maybe <laughs> maybe vodka. I don't know. He looks like a gin guy to me though. And Mark Addy, Robert Baratheon looks like kind of Mark Addy looks like a, a a whiskey straight to me. No way, he's beer. That guy is you think he, yeah. <laughs> bottom shelf beer. Uh, <laughs> what's the What's the England equivalent of like like Bud Heavy Newcastle? That he's like yeah. pounding. Yeah, that's he's pounding Newcastles. He, he's putting <laughs> away. He's putting away some bitters. Whiskey. Yeah, he's just pounding whatever the bottom shelf is in a case at a time. Just Don't like be uh, Maisie or Jello shots, and <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're drinking yeah. Boone's Farm. Yeah, <laughs> or, or whatever. French equivalent of that is I don't know I don't know liquor is <laughs> in Europe are they the same can I get a can I get a Bud Light please that's what I'd be like if I was in like England or Ireland and you what, what you don't have Bud Light <laughs> stupid American um so yeah big rap party happened it's all it's all done I mean it's kind of weird to say it like we we've we've had eight seasons we're about to have eight seasons of uh this cast we've watched him literally grow up on the screen we've watched him live and die on the screen so uh it's kind of bittersweet to talk about the final rap party but there is some important filming going on right now well I don't know if it's right now it happened uh all last week and uh there's a there's bits and pieces going on but the King's Landing set uh in Belfast we've watched it for a few months now, right, Smith? Like, we've been watching it since... I think it's been three. Three yeah. or more. It, I, yeah. We watched it get constructed, and we watched it from the very beginning. They built the walls, they built towers, they built domes, uh, and it's in a very... The Red Keep. The Red Keep. They built a yeah. very elaborate set, and then they said they were going to leave it standing after the show so people could come visit. It'd be a tourist attraction. Uh, they're at Titanic Studios, and then last week they burned it to the ground. Um, and we've seen photos of structures that have, um, the structures they built that are now burned out husk. Um, we've seen uh, just it looks like the streets are thrown with trash and falling bricks, and and it, it just looks like. Uh, King's Landing has been put through the paces. Um, and then we saw a big, gigantic, uh, green screen type dragon rig. The one, like, 
Emilia Clark used in season five when Drogon came to Desnex Pit, and in season six and seven when she was filming riding the back of Drogon. But except this one was much bigger. It seemed much bigger. It was sitting outside the uh, Titanic Studios lot. Uh, the question now is this: Do we think it's actually Danny and Drogon attacking, like uh, Targaryen forces attacking King's Landing of Cersei? Or could this be Viserion? Corey Thone, uh, if you had to guess, um, which army is this attacking King's Landing? Uh, <laughs> Put you on the spot, right? I'm going to say I'm going to say B. Option B, whichever one that was. I think, I think it's probably the Night King doing it. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I feel like Winterfell is going to fall before uh, before they get to King's Landing, obviously. And they're going to have to like use King's Landing to rally the troops and stuff. And it's going to be really tense, but you know they're going to have to let them in, I guess. I don't know, man. Like I really, I really haven't read. I intentionally haven't read a lot of stuff when it comes to the filming and everything, I think there's a decent chance they burned all that down because they were done. And if you leave sets like that up, that it's attracts fans and that could be a, like a risk of injury, people climbing on stuff. So, so well, but it's a secure um, lot though. I mean, they, they planned on leaving it up anyway. Yeah. OSHA. What are you worried about? Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Sorry. No, no. It, it's it's hard to guess the sequence, the the proper sequence of events. Um, we know a dragon's going to show up. We know Danny's forces make it into the city at some point because we've seen the Unsullied and the Dothraki mm-hmm. on the set. Right. So the question becomes: Who are they fighting? Are they fighting Cersei or are they fighting the Night King after he takes out Cersei, um, or both? I mean, do they? You know, is Danny there trying to take on Cersei, and then the Night King shows up, and you know we get a Battle of the Five Armies type situation? Not the movie, eh. the books. You know, where you they're brought in a and, Lord of the Rings reference. All right, good job. Yeah, so I mean, it's really hard to guess the sequence. Uh, I, I mean, I guess all we know for sure is basically everybody shows up at some point um, because we. Uh, because Amelia Clark is is lurking around Belfast. She's been there for the past week. Um, I think didn't uh, the Mountain post something? He was there like yesterday or yeah, the day he's, before. He's hanging around doing something, so he's still around. Yeah. There. So everybody's you know they've still got a few people out there filming. I mean Amelia Clark, you know she was off doing all the promotional stuff for Solo. Um, you know when some of this was going on, so it makes sense that she you know might be one of the last people to kind of wrap up some things plus if she's riding the dragon that's probably just going to be her by herself she doesn't really need you know and that's special effects so it's not like it's more like post-production type stuff right 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 you know she's on set filming scenes with you know seven other principal actors or something like that so well, also, yeah. I would like to see maybe even uh, Danny and Drogon taking on the Night King of Viserion. Maybe we have a dragon battle over the city. Maybe she's trying to protect humanity, and that's what happens. I mean, two dragons going at each other is bound to be some collateral damage, right? 
Right, for sure. I mean, like I said, we we don't know the sequence. Could, so it could be Danny shows up, you know, and tries to take on Cersei, or the Night King's already there, wrecking the city, and then Danny shows up, you know, and and takes on the Night King and Viserion. So imagine it, that mean, scene, man. That's that would be amazing for it to be on Game of Thrones. Is the Night King on Viserion taking on Danny on Drogon? That would just be an amazing episode. I mean. I think rest assured, no matter what sequence we end up getting, it's going to be a, an insane scene, you know, because they don't, they do not build sets this size for, you know, conversations. Right. 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 They built, they built this for very specific reasons. I mean, they're, they're going to have all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Like you said, we've seen massive damage to the set. We've seen them um, using cranes to, like, move giant sections of walls around that have clearly been knocked off or, and, and things like that. So it's it's going to be a massive sequence. And, I mean, just judging by all the, the battles we've seen in the past uh, during the series, I can't imagine that this one isn't, one of the best that we end up getting. I agree. Um, we're also going back to uh, Game of Thrones uh, production. Seem to be filming uh, at Cushton Caves. Uh, if you're not familiar familiar with that, that's where Melisandre gave birth to the smoke baby. That who could ever forget that seared into their brains. Um, that's below Storm's End. It's like a uh, the, the Baratheon castle. It's like a secret entrance, and I'm not really sure why we would need to see the cave entrance uh to to um storms end i think they also used the the same caves did they use the same cave system for uh dragonstone last year no that was it that was a different okay uh, okay yeah that was someplace else so, but i mean they still could use cushion as a stand-in possibly i mean it, a cave is a cave right so exactly it could be anywhere and um i mean we did see some green screens um, kind of being loaded in and out of the set, so that implies some level of special effects, mm-hmm. um, most likely. But it, that doesn't necessarily mean like another shadow baby or something like that. It could just no, be them. God no. They could just be trying to put. They could put the green screens up on the wall and have more of John's wonderful cave paintings. <laughs> more crayon uh, art. Yeah, yeah. When it's more crayon art. You know, because obviously they can't literally put that on the cave walls. Right. Um, so a green screen is what they would put up there to, you know, show something else. So it could be anything. It could be a secret entrance into King's Landing. Um, you know, Varus would know some of those. Um, mm-hmm. So it could be anywhere. It could be something up in the north. I mean, we're talking it could it could be quite literally anything. It's not like everybody's going to see it on screen be like, oh, look, that's the same cave you know from storms in right right it's gonna be a cave so it is interesting that they went back there because that does that's the first we've heard of any kind of scene that involves that so Mm -hmm. so uh, that there hasn't been that's pretty much the bulk of the filming news there's not like i said we're winding down uh there's not a lot to discuss when it comes to that um but there is the gigantic uh, Game of Thrones prequel news that came out. Um, and Corey Thone, I know you haven't really been keeping abreast of the, of the news, especially when it comes to uh, this prequel. So let us lay it out for you, and I'm going to ask you th- some questions. So get ready for some rapid-fire responses. But um, the 
<clears throat> HBO has ordered to pilot a Game of Thrones prequel about the Age of Heroes. And the Age of Heroes has to do with the signing of the Pact, which is a peace accord between the First Men and the Children of the Forest. So, like, you know, the titles Daenerys has, uh, you know, Queen of the First Men and all that kind of stuff like that. Uh, that's the First Men. They were, the uh, you know, the first ever men. They crossed the land bridge from Dorne, uh, land, the Arm of Dorne into Westeros, and they became the First Men. And then you have um, the Children of the Forest. There's a lot of magical creatures running around Westeros at that time, like giants. And... Um, the Long Night actually happened during the Age of Heroes. So so they're going to be fighting White Walkers. I was just, just going like. to say, yes, there's going to be a White Walker element to this uh, new prequel series. And, yeah, that's disappointing. <laughs> and um, so my question to you is, does this prequel series – but before, before I ask you this question, there are a lot of heroes – that have been mentioned on the show, like Bran the Builder, the the guy who founded House Stark. Um, he's he's a hero from the Age of Heroes. Uh, he's he's the one that built the wall. Um, so there's potential for a lot of cool things like background and history and a lot of like larger than life characters. But knowing that the Long Night took place during the Age of Heroes, and I think George R. R. Martin laid out his description of it and said the Long Night was part of it. Um, does that interest you? Eh, yeah, I guess. I mean, it's... The the show has a lot to work with from Martin and in the background. I know there's, like, expanded work that he's done and stuff about the the Age of Heroes, right? So mm-hmm. there's already mm-hmm. stuff written down about it. I'm just curious. I mean, I, I don't know. I thought he'd be writing other books right now, but whatever. So <laughs> not that I've ever read them. But I, I don't know. I think my biggest criticism out the gate is that if, you know, I don't, I don't care. I, I, the White Walker thing is disappointing to me because there's – way more you can do with this world mm-hmm. than just have them fighting white walkers and and it's the what what made game of thrones work wasn't the white walkers it was the impending threat of them versus the political maneuvering of westeros and i i really feel like that they're either going to have the white walkers be a constant physical threat in the show which would feel almost just at that point they're just zombies like Walking Dead, mm-hmm. or they're going to be the exact same thing. A you're going to have like people that have been north come back and be like, oh, there's big, you know, the giant white spiders up there and stuff, and they're like, not now, Kevin. I'm dealing with these <laughs> green dwarves and that throw fireballs, and they're going to be like, oh, the real battle is like one guy, the real battle's to the north. And it's like, yeah, no, I, I, we've been here before as his viewers. Name, his name will be Jim Snaw. <laughs> yeah, it'll be... Yeah, it's exactly right. So, I mean, I just... I, I mean, obviously I'm a little... Today's not. I've, I've had a real like rough day, so today I'm, I'm a little uh, jaded just in general. <laughs> but that sounds like um, it sounds like 
there's a lot there's room there for an interesting show but there's definitely room there to fall back on what now has become game of thrones tropes so ah uh, uh, that's a that's an interesting way to put things. I agree. I'm excited for it because only because I know the history and lore of Game of Thrones as a book reader. I'm excited to see some of these larger than life legends be put on screen if they do it that way. But Corey Smith, you kind of think it's a crazy idea to go this way. Well, I mean, I do, but I I don't know how to say this right. So. I think it's a crazy idea for the casual because I don't know that it's going to appeal to the casual fan that fell in love with Game of Thrones in the first place. Because unlike Game of Thrones now, it's missing a lot of the like political intrigue and the backstabbing that maybe we had, you know, that kind of attracted more of the casual viewers. Right. right? So, and. The other thing is a lot of the major houses that we're used to aren't around back then. There's no Iron Throne. Um, there's no Targaryens. There's no dragons. Um, you know, so you've, you're missing a lot of the things that I think a lot, a lot of the viewers really love about Game of Thrones right now. And you're going to introduce them to this world because this is basically the starting point of Martin's fake history. Right. This is the so, sev- this is the Seven Kingdoms. Divided into a hundred, like literally every area right. on the map of Westeros was its own small kingdom. Right, exactly. And I don't see how you can connect because what what you and both Corey Fung have said, what made Game of Thrones so interesting, uh, the political intrigue, the struggle between houses, the actual literal Game of Thrones. You know, either you play the Game of Thrones or you die. You win, or you know, you. It's, there's all these things going on. In the show that made it so interesting in the beginning of the show and up till now to towards the end, you don't have that in the new show. In fact, it's, it's, it's so far removed from what we're watching now, I have a feeling you're going to lose a large part of the fan base. And that's what makes me wonder why HBO decided to go with the show. Because right now you have the, let's say for instance you have the North. Let's take it back two seasons ago in season five. You had the North being ruled by the Boltons, and they were they were kind of uh, swearing fealty to the Iron Throne and Cersei. And you had all these connections. Littlefinger was working his magic between everybody. He was working the political maneuverings. But you don't have that in this new prequel series because nobody's connected. Uh, and I don't. I just don't know. Is this show going to be all about the North? Because that's where Bran the Builder is, and that's where the Wall gets built, and the Night's Watch, and Winterfell, and all that stuff goes down. Or are we going to see things like Azor Ahai, uh, you know, forge his sword, Lightbringer, and uh, stop the Long Night? I mean, these are kind of questions I know that we don't have yet, but. Um, I, I agree with Corey Thone. I'm afraid that the White Walkers are going to become like the zombies on The Walking Dead, and that kind of makes me nervous. Yeah, I, I'm really concerned about it the more I think about it, because they can lean on, on that like fan understanding of what the White Walkers and the Whites are uh, to build tension when they are failing to do it narrative mm-hmm. 
And because uh, I know that's some shit Walking Dead would pull. <laughs> it's like, uh, this, this character, we really don't know what to do with this character here. Should we make him grow as a person or should we have them descend into madness? Man, if you ever hit a wall with a character, here's what I do. Just kill him. Like, don't even <laughs> worry about it. Or, or, or you know what? You don't have to kill him. Just kill him trapped under a dumpster and then we'll kill him later. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, that, Just glad uh, it. Yeah, no, I mean... It, and The Walking Dead, for all its faults, uh, was is probably if you if they should te- they could teach a class on crafting tension out of nothing, like out of places where narratively it shouldn't be. Because how in the hell are you still getting ambushed by these slow ass zombies after you've been through like all these, I mean months and years or whatever of dealing with them? Have you not built a fence somewhere? It's stupid. But um, <laughs> yeah. Like I, I'm worried about. I'm just worried that that they they'll lean on the White Walker thing too much, and I have a feeling that season one will be limited on the White Walker e stuff. Season one is actually about the desperation of the children of the forest and creating the White Walkers. Does that well, fall into the Age of Heroes? See, well, and see, and this is I guess this is my other question, and. I'll preface this again by saying I do have I I think HBO has earned a lot of faith mm-hmm. from the fandom because they did not Game of Thrones out of the park, but I do have questions because the Age of Heroes covers like hundreds of years, if not a thousand years. Thousands of years it covers. Right. So, you know, just to give you a brief overview, you've got the the first men come over from Essos. And start spreading through Westeros, and they come into conflict with the children of the forest. That that I think lasts a couple hundred years. That fight because it's through the whole continent, and then they make a peace, and then the Andals come across from Essos, and they start fighting everybody again. And we don't well, the, know what the point Andal to- the Andal invasions. What ends the Age of Heroes? Right. So I'm, but I'm just saying, like, there, it's such a huge. It's not like you know, Game of Thrones concerns roughly, you know, I don't know, five, six years, whatever. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not clear exactly on how many years, but it's it's a short, compressed time frame. And so this, you're talking about stuff that lasts hundreds or thousands of years. And so it, it I, I do wonder too how they're going to compress that into a coherent narrative without big time jumps or you know I, I don't know it's just it's an, an interesting you know problem that they're going to run into because this stuff doesn't happen overnight it doesn't happen quickly and so it'll be a challenge for them to to connect it all together and and the other thing too is a lot of the house, you know, like on Game of Thrones, the houses are all fighting with each other, right? And on in the Age of Heroes, they're you know they're only fighting with their like immediate neighbors. The Lannister House Lannister doesn't even exist until later in the Age of Heroes, right? And they probably don't even know who the Starks are, right? You know, just like the the Vikings didn't know, and I I could be totally blowing my own history world history, but like the Vikings didn't know who the Indians are, the Native Americans, right? You know, like they're just so separated and it's not like they had a communication system or whatever. And so they don't know. So you're not going to have this whole like back and forth where houses are coming into conflict unless you just focus it on one area like the north. Um, 
where you have all the houses, you can have all the houses fighting and allying with each other and, you know, things of that nature. So right. I don't know. There's a lot of challenges, and I just have to think that they had the five different writers doing the pitches, right? Mm-hmm. And there other – there's – there's in fact, this is basically the only age they could have chosen that doesn't really closely resemble Game of Thrones, right? Yeah. Like they could have – they could, they, have done, they could have done Valyria where they where they did uh, uh, they had a political system too. So right, or they could have done the Dance of the Dragons or, or Duncan Egg or Robert's Rebellion or you know any of the reigns of the Targaryen kings in Westeros. Like you could do all those Aegon's conquest. I mean, all of those would closely resemble the the overall narrative and structure of Game of Thrones. And you would, and you'd have most of the things, that, most of the touchstones that people are familiar with. And so, I have to think that if they chose this script, they have to have some pretty compelling reasons to do so, because there was other like low-hanging fruit that they could have just grabbed, and people would have latched onto much easier than I think they're going to latch onto this. Right, right, right. Um, yeah, I, I just don't. I, I'm, I'm with you both. I, I'm excited for it for one reason because I know it. Um, and I want to see these things happen on screen, but I also also could have seen it in animated form in Lords and Histories that come with the DVDs, and that would have been fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm wondering, you know, because I I don't know the stories or anything, uh, but I'm wondering if um, we might get something similar to HBO's Rome Mm. out of this, where instead of following around the actual hero we get the point of view of a soldier or you know someone who's not legendary in history right that's interesting uh, who weaves weaves in between in and out of the storylines which could work better i almost want to say like i don't know but then in the end it's game of thrones there's i don't i don't, I don't know i'm worried because when you start talking about like oh well you know they don't um <laughs> they don't actually like interact with, with the houses that are just on the you know not that far away because they can't see them. They don't know they're there, and it's like wow. So now we're gonna what they're gonna be doing is just having like uh, Game of Thrones and fear the Game of Thrones happening uh, <laughs> on another end of the world. And yeah, it, it just it does. I'm just worried about that. Yeah. Well, so feels- because then the question because like if we do, for example, like if they follow the Starks, the Starks to have a conflict up north that they're taking care of, right? And then if we switch over to, say, the Lannisters, who are they messing around with? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, what's what's their conflict? Well, you so, could... Me, okay, let's, the let's more I think up. about it, the more I think that you can't... You cannot focus on the families that we know from Game of Thrones. They exactly. have to be secondary. And I think the more I think about it, if, if they come out and we start having Starks versus whoever uh again and then white walkers pending in the distance it i don't think it's gonna work well okay you've got this also um you could show things like a, a big figure from the age of heroes was uh garth greenhand he's like the first uh king of the of the, of the first men and in fact from garth greenhand all the heroes of that age are said to have uh, come from him so like even brand the builder uh, is is a descendant from uh, he's like 
a grandson of Garth Greenhand. So, like, you could tell the story where that begins in the Reach, where House Tyrell's from, because House Gardner is destroyed after Aegon takes over and House Tyrell takes over from House Gardner. House Gardner is directly descended from Garth Greenhand. You also have, if you want to mention the Lannisters, you've got Lan the Clever who tricked the uh, Casterlies into giving them their lands. Like House, House Casterly was the richest family of the Age of Heroes. They found gold in Casterly Rock and they built their castle around it. And uh, Lan the Clever tricked them out of it. Uh, there's all kinds of stories of how he did it. And so Lan ended up turning into House Lannister, building Lannisport, and that's how House Lannister became the richest house in, in Westeros. So you've got all these different stories where houses were built off of these legendary heroes. Even um, the Baratheons uh, took their sigil and their house words from House Durin, or House Durandon, from uh, during the God's Grief, and it's a big long story where how Storms Inn was built. And the big connective thread through all of these stories is Bran the Builder. Bran the Builder helped helped build Storm Inn. He helped build the Wall. He's a descendant of Garth Greenhand. He started House Stark and built Winterfell. There's all these different threads that are connective. But I think you're right, Corythone. If you bring in all these familiar houses that people know and love or know and hate today, then you're going to start going, uh, this is just Game of Thrones 2.0, basically. Um, I think a way they could go with it is tell the story of the Night's Watch from the very beginning. If 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 George R. R. Martin is talking about uh, the Long Night being a focus of this prequel series... Why not tell the story of the first Lord Commander of the Night's Watch? Show the Night's Watch at full strength whenever Bran the Builder built the wall, and they had the Night Fort, and they had all these other places. And show that. That would be interesting. Well, uh, I mean, that's a possibility, but it, that – I mean, the, the Night's Watch, from from what we understand, was formed after they drove the Night King – north and then they put up the wall to keep them up there from and that's our basic understanding of what happened so i mean you'd have to tell some of that beforehand and yeah i mean don't get me wrong there's some incredibly cinematic things that happen in the age of heroes um you know there used to be a land bridge between essos and westeros the the arm of dorn Right, and the the children of the forest call down the power of the gods and smash it to keep the first men from pouring into the continent, mm-hmm. and and then they try it again uh, in the neck later on to stop the Andals from coming up north, and it fails and creates all the swamps, and so I mean there's some great things there. It's just it it I do wonder how they're going to connect it all, but again I do think that they have they have to have some sort of plan because there were other stories that were much easier to tell and they chose probably the hardest one so i have to think they have some way of connecting all this together Mm. and whether that's they're just gonna trim out all the you know the boring years you know and, and connect it and you know compress the time frame you know way down 
or if they're going to, you know, like what y'all are suggesting, have one connective, you know, person that kind of you see the story through their eyes and everybody else is kind of, you know, secondary characters. Um, but, I mean, like I said, I, I do think they can make it work, I, but I do wonder how many casual viewers they're going to lose in the process because it, it's not going to have all those touchstones that, everybody kind of latched onto so well it's important to note that this is just a pilot order uh not a series order yeah and, and we i do want to get to the let's talk about that because that's an interesting thing okay go ahead well so martin after it was announced you know because they had the, they had the five series in in development and he said that they they picked this one they're ordering the pilot it's not like you said it's not a series order um, but Martin suggested that in the next couple years they could film one or more of the remaining pilots as well. Right. So they could, and they could do them simultaneously. Mm-hmm. So you know, and then see what they have once they film the the you know the pilot episode and see which one they really like. So that could be interesting. Either way, I think that they've got. I think they've got the groundwork laid for. Game of Thrones, assuming this next one does well, I think they've got the groundwork laid for Game of Thrones prequels for a long time to come. Corey Phone, if this new prequel doesn't work, doesn't test well with audiences, um, or let's say it does go through to series and it's not successful, this is the end of Game of Thrones, right? Like HBO drops it like a, like a bad habit. No, I don't think they drop it. They might hold off for a while, but I mean, I, I I really think that they have a, you know, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars level, you know, uh, fantasy world that they have successfully built. Okay. And I think that, that there is room for that, them to play around with it outside of a next prequel not you know the the big issue is is that game of thrones uh is an hour long and it's super dramatic <laughs> there's you know the the real question is and this is something too that i was just thinking about maybe the age of heroes thing could be an anthology style series with like each season having a new cast or something mm. I don't that know. Would, I think that, that there's a really lot well. of room. Yeah. I I was thinking it might since you guys were saying it lasted so long. But I don't know. I, I think that it's we need to just wait maybe before we start because I've been, you know, shitting on it the whole time and it could be really <laughs> good. So um yeah, I, I think we should just wait and see. I think that there's a lot of I mean HBO could make just straight up make a two maybe three-hour movie out of something from Game of Thrones every few years. And I'd watch and, it out of and, it. And, and it would probably be popular. Like I mean, they, thing. Yeah, yeah, they could. They could do four, a four-episode run or a six-episode run or something. They could make right. a movie. They could do 30-minute shows. You know, they can... There's a lot of stuff they can do because I really feel like they have tapped into something in society that... Because, I mean, it is not your standard... Star Wars. I mean, Star Wars is mainstream as hell now, but it's not. It's not your standard fantasy series audience right now with Game of Thrones. It right. is. It hits every demographic. People are really into it because they did a great job building that world, mm-hmm. and that's that's the big risk that 
the prequel or whatever. Oh my god, they're making prequels. Right, I just <laughs> want I want to know about trade embargoes on on Dorn <laughs> by the Empire. No, it's uh, I think that they they run a risk of leaning not just on the White Walkers but on the already established universe Mm -hmm. maybe if that makes sense and not creating their own thing so i hope it's not like that i hope it is its own show so i think it will be i think that'll be the challenge i think that it's gonna be so far removed you'll have the white walkers and you'll have some like you have the children of the forest and the giants and and things like that but I think it's going to be – I think just by necessity, it is wildly different from the show that um, you know that we see every Sunday for 10 it's, episodes. It's that, going to have to be – and this is what's kind of exciting to me – a barbaric version of Game of Thrones. I know Game of Thrones is medieval in nature, but Age of Heroes was when things were really, you know, like – right. You're not going to have the maesters with medicine. You're not going to have the ravens. Um, you have iron weapons instead of steel. Um, you don't have. So, you won't have lords and ladies. There's no civil society. It's basically right. There's no central and, government. Right. Yeah. So it'll be. It's interesting though. Okay. I also don't want this show to be Vikings, but with dragons. <laughs> but see, there's no dragons. Well, but whatever. Like. I don't want it. To, I don't want it to turn into the things that drug down shows like Vikings, where it was like, well, we should we just lean on blood for the next three episodes? Yeah, let's lean on blood and just you know, <laughs> I I don't want that either because I, I don't know. But then again, maybe that's what will make this show its own thing. Is I, it? It'll be more visceral and less plotty. Oh man! I, I mean, like hard. I I I have a lot of faith in HBO, so I. I I do think that they can make it work, and I, I have to think that they have some sort of plan. I just find it interesting that they didn't go the easy route. Like, you know, we, we've talked to other podcasts about Amazon's making the Lord of the Rings series, right? Mm-hmm. And and yeah. the, main, the main rumor out there right now is that they're doing a young Aragorn series, right? Right. And that, to me, is like the safe choice, because you got Aragorn, he's one of the main characters in the movies. He interacts with a lot of the characters like Gandalf and Elrond and, um, you know, all the characters that a lot of people already know. So it's kind of a, it's a safe series, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting that Game of Thrones didn't just go Robert's Rebellion or Dunkin' Egg, you know, something that would be almost identical <laughs> to what people know. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're but going... Literally quite as far different as they possibly can, you know, chronologically and I think thematically. So it's interesting. What concerns me is HBO does have a tendency to, and I have to pull up all the shows this happened on, but they get really ambitious and really confident in things (laughs) like spending shitloads of money on vinyl style confidence and and actually – doing a detriment to an already currently on in its final season show like Boardwalk Empire by letting those guys leave in the last season to make vinyl and for that to get canceled one season. Like they or or the brink or you know, I mean there's 
it's not like HBO doesn't have misfires. Right. You know, it's not like they. True. It's, it's not like it's not like they're fallible. There was a time, you know, where it felt like. But I mean, even out the gate. So if you go all the way back, and I don't think it was a misfire. I just think it was poorly marketed. But like Carnival was a flop. Oh. But I think that show was. I think that show was brilliant. Yeah, but uh, it was just ahead of its time. But an HBO. But I mean, the audacity of of a network to be like, yeah, let's let's make the show with a traveling mystic carnival. Whatever, like I don't know if the TV audience was ready for that yet. Right, and I I don't know my and what you said there, Corey, about them like not taking the safe route. There is the, the risk in not taking the safe route there. Like they could have easily done a, a much safer route, like Robert's Rebellion or something, where people would be involved with the care half the characters already. You know, right? But they didn't. So I think there is this inherent risk that we've been talking about. You know. Um, I think we're all just a little. I'm just a little surprised. That's how they're going. I didn't think they'd do Robert's Rebellion. I honestly thought that they would. They would. And you know what? They maybe still can. What I was thinking they would do would be to pick an era that was totally different than what we've seen now, and then build a new world in Westeros with characters we never heard of that weren't part of those families. It's and and they still can. They can still do that. Like I said, with that kind of Rome style, get our own Lucius and Varinus walking around Westeros, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. They can still do that and still weave in some some names every now and then, like Brand the Builder or whatever. But I don't know. I, I I honestly thought we were getting the Doom of Valyria. I thought we would get uh, a whole series based on Valyria. I mean, it had been a CGI heavy series, but um, people seemed to be really on board with that. Uh, Robert's Rebellion was the most popular choice, but George R. R. Martin has said several times that there's no reason to do that because he's basically told the story of Robert's Rebellion on Game of Thrones through history lessons through the characters. So why actually show it on screen? Um, you know, I don't know. It, it, well, Robert's Rebellion would make a great movie. I, it, right, yeah. and it would, and I mean, the only thing I would say that they have working to their advantage in this in this series is that the history is very murky, right? right. We right. know the broad strokes, and even that stuff is, is stuff that's been passed down 10,000 years, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So we could easily, you know, I think even Martin said something that about how the series won't, it won't always be what we think. Like the events all, won't always happen how we think. You know what I mean? So yeah. we could we could get some stuff in, and and that can work to their advantage because because the stuff isn't written down in stone like the Game of Thrones books were. You can you know you can take it and you can make you have a lot of creative freedom in there. So they could, you know, they could pull some of this stuff, um, you know, and and change things. I mean, because I think like I, I think there there's points in the books made about how some people say the first men landed in Westeros five thousand years ago, and some people say they landed ten thousand years ago or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I could be missing up the figures, but even in the books they say that it, it's not a hundred percent accurate. So, you know, they don't have carbon dating or, or, you know, things like that like we have now. Well, and you uh, also got the story of the last hero, the, 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 knight, the Lord Commander of the Night's Watch who went out and 
with with his men, and everybody ended up dropping off one by one, and he lost his dog and his horse, and finally he was, t- uh, you know, taken by the White Walkers or whatever. So, there's right. all- it's all legends. So right. they could change. They could change this stuff and and really. You know, maybe they've figured out, they've cracked it on how to tell a, co- a coherent narrative um, that connects, you know, over, you know, how, however many seasons they're they're going to do, and we just don't know how. So, I mean, right. I I do have faith in HBO. I, I know they've had the misfires, like you said, Thone. I, I don't know that, that Thrones will be one of them, you know, because I think they did so well with this series, aside from a few missteps here or there. Um, you know, that I think that they, they have something up their sleeve and they pick this series for a reason and hopefully it's not hubris. So <laughs> that would be the know, worst. Right. Because yeah, they are riding high right now. They probably feel like Game of Thrones. We could do anything we want. Everybody loves this show. They watch it every week and they could be like, Hey, we could just, we'll take it all the way back and, you know, and they do giant misstep because yeah, and the problem throw. is you take you take game of thrones you take amelia clark kit harrington uh you know lena Headey. you take those people away from the show and it's not the same show so that's what they're going to be running into making making the audience connect with new characters making us care about the stories like we care about what happens to aria we wanted aria to get back home from from bravos we wanted her to, uh, you know, instead of going to King's Landing to kill Cersei, they wanted her to turn around and go back to Winterfell. You know, we wanted Sansa to, uh, to survive, uh, Ramsay Bolton and then return. We wanted Jon Snow to take back Winterfell. We wanted all these things to happen because we're invested in these characters. And that's the challenge this new series is gonna have, in my opinion, is, is reconnecting with all brand new characters and making us uh, invest our time in in what in their story, but um, that's pretty much all I've got to say about that. Uh, we're gonna be going ahead and cutting the podcast off here. Uh, our next podcast, we will be recapping an episode of Game of Thrones that you choose in our poll. We didn't have one this week because we wanted to talk about the prequel news and and the last bit of filming. Uh, Corey Phone, let me ask you really quick: if you had an episode you could choose to watch and recap on Take the Black. Which episode would it be? Man, I'd really like to dip back in this seasons like one and two. I know everybody is, you know, you get emotionally attached, so the later episodes, you know, really um, sink in more. Mm-hmm. But, but I would like to, to go back to, like, you know, Blackwater or something. Oh, that'd be amazing. Like, uh, you know, just something back there where everybody is still – more or less in the same spots and and it doesn't even have to i don't know i i that's just my request i guess for everybody listening is maybe something a little further back since we've done um we did hard home and you guys did the red wedding Mm -hmm. right yeah and i wasn't here for that which is fine because i didn't want to watch that episode again (laughs) 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 so yeah maybe go further back or and and maybe here's the thing too let's maybe don't pick a battle episode. Like That's that, my thing. We don't where, always have yeah. to pick a battle. Let's pick something that we can talk about some political intrigue. Corey Smith, what what would be your choice? Uh, I'm I'm on board with what you you guys are saying. I'd love to to dive into a subtle episode um, where nothing but talking happens. 
Um, I love the episode where Cersei and Robert have their conversation about what holds the seven kingdoms together. Mm. Um, oh man, yeah, that's a good one. You know what I mean? Five. Like, I, yeah, exactly. Like, I, and and <laughs> I would love to jump into an ep- like a season one episode and really reflect on where some of these people go. You know, foreshadowing. You know what these conversations really mean, and you know, I mean, like like that scene with Robert and Cersei. It's it's basically Cersei saying goodbye to Robert because she's about to have him killed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I would love to jump into a, to an episode like that. I mean, I love the big the big battle episode as much as the next guy, but um, I mean, that's not really why I watch Game of Thrones. So I would love to jump into like a season one episode or. What if season- our listeners pick a, an episode for us where everybody's dead? <laughs> we watched an early episode, and now they're all dead in season eight. Yeah, so. right. And, but see, that would be fun to me because yeah. then you, you start seeing where did their downfall, you know, did, did it start in this episode? You know, like what, what was going on here? So, <coughs> excuse me, I would love to jump into an episode like that and really examine it because I think that's the – the real meat of of the series are, are episodes like that where not necessarily big things happen, but you know things are being set in motion and foreshadowed. So yeah, I I'd agree. love an episode like that. Cool. Well, listen, guys, uh, that's going to be the podcast for tonight. Thanks for listening. Make sure you leave some comments in the comment section below. Let us know what episode of Game of Thrones you want us to rewatch and re-recap on the next episode of Take the Black in two weeks. Make sure to vote in the poll next week. Uh, so And try to vote your episode through and try to give us one where we can get us into some political intrigue or some, some nice dialogue. Let us... Uh, I'm sure you want to hear Corey Thone go on and on and on about uh, how things are broken down politically in Westeros. I know I do. So uh, for thanks for listening. Uh, for Corey Smith, for Corey Thone, I'm Razor. Uh, this has been Take the Black, Pilar Magulis.